baseball time, turn on the fan. JD's coming on, he's a baseball man. I gotta get the scoop before I drive home from the kid from Queens calling Arlington home. Car pulls up, who can it be? A fresh El Camino, it's Thad Levine. He rolls down his window and he started to say, It's all about making that kick ass tray. Cause the boys in the front office are always hard. Come talking that trash and they'll pull your car. Knowing nothing in life but to be legit. Don't quote me, skin, I ain't said spit. The John Daniels Show is brought to you by Evan Williams Bourbon and BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Joining us now, John J.D. Daniels, the general manager of the Texas Rangers. J.D., how you doing today, brother? I'm great, man. How are you? Man, I'm, I'm doing really well. I couldn't be more excited. I love watching Joey Gallo play baseball, and so, of course, I'm going nuts right now. It seems like uh, it's one of the most entertaining things in, in all of sports right now to watch him in the batter's box. and. Seeing him with a 281 batting average is such a freaking pleasure. Uh, he's just off to a phenomenal start. What are you seeing from your young slugger that has you fired up? You know, if you look at the week he had before you know, this past week, uh, which which uh, this past week he was unbelievable, right? Doing a little bit of everything. Uh, opposite field singles with two strikes, driving runs, sack flies, extra base hits, obviously monster bombs, but the week before was kind of a rough week. You know, he struggled in, in Arizona, came home first game against, uh, against the angels. I think he struggled a little bit, had a bunch of punch outs. And I think in the past, that's something where you might've seen that, that, uh, you know, linger for a little while. And Joey just kind of kept his, you know, mind right where he needed to be. Kind of kept believing, doing things he needed to do, stayed within himself and, and bounced right out of it. So that for me is, you know, the, the physical talent, you know, it's always there. Uh, but to see where he's come and, and just kind of believing in himself, believing in himself, and the consistency bouncing out of a slump like that so quickly—that's that was really awesome. Now this start—I mean—is anything about this start surprised you, or, or did you know, you know, all along this is going to be, you know, what appears to be through the first part of the season a, a competitive team? Um, listen, I, I never like really sit down and map out like wins and losses sure. and early, you know, season. That's for like from a standpoint of like series by series, week by week. But uh, what I have not been surprised by, based on just being around the club this spring, it was just their uh, their competitiveness and kind of their. I mean, we're in every game. Uh, it kind of reminds me a lot of parts of 2015, where you know it looks like early on maybe a little bit out outmanned from a. Uh, on the pitching staff side at times, uh, some young guys figuring things out. Uh, but these guys are in every game. They find a way to come back, find a way to hang on, uh, facing some you know, really good teams, really good starting pitchers, getting contributions up and, da- up and down from everybody. Even yesterday, you know, rest a couple of uh, regulars and, you know, Pence and Forsyth both hit bombs. You know, Mathis gets two hits. and um, So th- that's been the fun part about this club early on is that everybody's contributing you know, if somebody has a, a rough day, uh, but the team does well, nobody's hanging their head. And, um, you know, I give a lot of that credit to, to Woody and the staff for what they're trying to do. It's such an interesting sport in that regard with the 162-game grind that you just can't overreact any one game. And there's no other sport is, is like that. I guess hockey's halfway like that, right? Or How many games are there in hockey? Is it in work? 82. 82, right. So uh, it's uh, it's really remarkable. And I've noticed that about you over the years, too. You're incredibly patient. And so – it's moments like these where Joey Gallo is is in a really nice groove that 
boy, you look really smart for not panicking at the wheel because and it's and we overreact and we tend to give up on young players way too soon when they haven't yet developed. But um, did you have to work on that over time? I mean, because that's an important part of your job, not freaking out during a rough patch because sometimes those rough patches go for a while before you turn it around. Well, it, it helps when you're a heartless, cold, emotionless person <laughs> like I am. <laughs> you know, that's a good that's a good starting point. There you go. <laughs> um, no, I think I think we've made emotional decisions before. We, we've uh, we've done them, and we will again. I just think like the reality is, when you sit back and look at it, like that rarely plays. You know, um, and there are times where you've got to kind of you know take a, a little bit of a short-term view of things based on the context of the, where the season's at and where the, you know, who's on the club and, and, you know, what kind of economic decisions are coming up. But for the most part, like taking a long-term view in, in our sport, probably in most sports, but definitely in baseball, like it's going to pay off. And, uh, and especially for where we are as, as an organization right now, what our stated goals were coming into the year. And you know, I just think it's, it, that makes the most sense for us. And, um, you know, if it looks like we're not emotional, that's not necessarily. Okay. We're into every game, every pitch. I mean, the, the, you know, there's life in the when we're watching together. You guys are fired up. When we get down, we lose. All that sort of deal. But you got to be able to take a step back and, and keep the big picture in mind. Right, because uh, you know, uh, when 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 people overreact and you you just like when you say you've made emotional decisions in the past, I know you can't like walk us through, but how? What do you mean? How do you mean by that? Like you're just emotional in a moment and you overreact as opposed to staying calm? Um, you know, a little bit there. I mean, not not so much with like, it's not like we send. You know, I don't think I've ever sent somebody down out of emotion, like pissed at a bad performance. You know, mm-hmm. you know, banish somebody. It's not like that. But no, I can think of a few a few trades we've made where. You know, we, we weren't keeping the big picture in mind. You know, and it felt like the, you know, from an emotional standpoint, we wanted to do something, you know, rather than like stay patient and do the right thing. And, you know, there are definitely like some regrets from that standpoint. I think when you, when you want to like try to force something and make it happen, you know, that's typically, the, you know, the, on the list of things we regret, the, the trades we regret, they usually come down to that. John, where did you watch the game from yesterday? And the reason I'm asking is because on the fly ball, you know, just watching on TV, you couldn't even get a camera to catch the Joey Gallo pop-up. So could you see it from wherever you were sitting? Or did you yeah, lose we it in, too? I, no, we were in, in uh, our suite, which is like just over the uh, the visitors, just inside of the visitors on deck circle at the lower level of suites. And um, so we had a pretty good view out of fact the uh, Bubba Thompson was in town. He had uh, uh, surgery. He had a broken handmade bones. So he was in town, and Paul Kruger brought him up to the suite. And, and uh, you know, Bubba's like one of these guys, like just doesn't say a whole lot. Like you know, he's uber competitive on the field, but off the field, you know, pretty laid back. That was one of the few things I heard him like exclaim during the day was when Joey hit that ball. He, you know, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, "Oh my god!" You know, like just, just sheer shock. Uh, you don't, you just don't see balls hit that high. I think it was what, like seven and a half second hang time. Yeah. Which is, you know, we, I've heard all, you know, some scouts in the past. Mel Didier was the first guy I heard say it. I, I don't necessarily think he, he came up with it, but he used to talk about, you can, you can judge, you know, a, a player's, uh, power based on how, you know, how long his pop-ups stay in the air, which makes sense, right? It's still exit velocity, just a different mm-hmm. angle. 
And so, you know, you don't see pop-ups over seven seconds very often. Man, uh, it's it's so much fun watching him play the game. He's so powerful and capable of uh, of so many unique things. Like, uh, how is it possible though that he went almost fourteen hundred plate appearances without a without a sack fly? What do you make of that statistic? Uh, I think a lot of randomness, but I mean, I think the the strikeout rate too plays into it. I think that um, uh, read somebody's article pointed out today that uh, or maybe it was a tweet somebody put out there but it was uh, I think like Willie Mopena of, of the of the guys that have actually hit home runs like 50 or more home runs I think Willie Mopena was second on the list as far as longest and I, I just think it was because you know, don't you strike out at a high rate just fewer balls put in play and just fewer opportunities for it to happen. So obviously yesterday LeClerc's struggled with his command and, and yesterday you could kind of you know really see the frustration on his face, you know, even after the game, what are you seeing in, in Jose? Is this mechanics? Is this confidence or, or what do you think is going on with Jose right now? I think a little of both. I'm not sure it's like true confidence. I don't think he lacks confidence. I think it's more, he just wants to make it happen so bad that he's, uh, you know, he's, he's pushing a little bit, which in turn probably makes the, the mechanical, uh, adjustments tougher to come by. You know, he's, you know, I think he's, he's trying to you know, really execute the fastball that he needs to execute, and instead he's trying to you know, leads him trying to throw harder, and he flies open a little more, and then the fastball sails up and away. So, um, you know, I, pretty con- you know the the biggest concern you ever have when a guy's struggling is that is he hurt? And, like, there's no reason to believe that there's any physical issue. I, I think mean, he's going through a, a rough stretch. And he probably has some you know mechanical adjustments that he can make, and uh, I know Julio and Oscar and those guys are working on it with him. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Sean Kelly off to just a phenomenal start, and you start having those conversations about, all right, where should this guy be used? Where is the most important moment in the game? Is it is it always the safe situation, or could it be in the seventh or sixth or eighth or wherever? Uh, but tell us a little bit about uh, Sean Kelly and what you're seeing from him. You know, it's, it's a really good point, Ben. I'm glad uh, KT or somebody else told you to bring it up. <laughs> um, there, uh, because... The day before, uh, Woody went to Sean in the uh, in the fifth inning. Um, you know, Samson was really good through four and uh, started to scuffle a little bit. You know, we were up by several runs at the time, but with the Astros lineup, it's one of those deals. You don't put the fire out right there. Like all of a sudden, they're you know they're one swing of the bat from tying it or going up. And and he brought Kelly in, and uh, he got a he got a couple big outs right there in the fifth inning. That was the save, you know. And then yesterday, you know, he kind of gave Leclerc as much rope as he could, and and then you know had Kelly ready, and and that was the save. So, you know, he's I, I like that. I, I think Woody's using him creatively. He's, I haven't looked, but my guess is he's probably pitched every inning from the fifth on so far, and all in big spots, and and he's rewarded us so far. What's the uh, latest that you can give us on Ronald Guzman and Ruggie? Uh, yeah, Ronald was going to see. Uh, see the doctor today for a checkup and if uh, all goes well then he'll join the club out in Oakland not to be activated but to, to start ramping ramping up uh, Ruggie's with the club in Oakland uh, I'm going to take BP and do some base running today uh, then uh, live BP tomorrow and if that goes well you know, he could start a rehab assignment as soon as Wednesday so uh, Ruggie you know, got a chance for this weekend in Seattle I think is a, a distinct possibility and Ruggie's not far behind 
Hey, fantastic news. Hey, uh, congrats on a fantastic start to the season. We'll be watching and listening and uh, always looking forward to catching up with you each week here at 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for the time. Thank you, guys. There he goes, John Daniels, the general manager of the Texas Rangers. So he joined us uh, Thursday. We were at the Rangers golf course for the Do It For Dirt event. Yeah. He joined us, but it really just turned into football talk because uh-huh. uh, the Giants picked at number six and number 17. And it seemed to me that if John Daniels was the GM of the Giants, that they would be trading for Josh Rosen. Now, I could be wrong. I'm not putting words in J.D.'s mouth. I think he might be trying to get that second rounder or third rounder. He may not want to give up a first to get Josh Rosen. But I was sitting there explaining, I was like, hey, man, Josh Rosen, did you guys need to do it? I said, I would give pick 17 right now. And then didn't you say that somebody said it would only take a third-round pick to get Josh Rosen? The Peter King, who's not – I mean, to me, Peter King is a legendary rider, so all respect to him. But he's sitting there riding out a third-rounder is the most they could get, and I'm going, I don't think so. If that's where they're at, then they just need to keep him. Uh, but right. I think it's fascinating what the Giants do on Thursday night at 6 and 17 – I got a list of names I'd love for them to draft because hey, I don't think they're very good players. You're, if you're telling me that the Cowboys could get Josh Rosen for pick 90, I would oh do God, that yeah. in a heartbeat. And I think all 32 teams would sign up for that. And just see it play out. So there's no way that's accurate. I don't know. But Peter would, you know. Peter knows, right? He knows things. Mm-hmm.